special guest from Crown Heads, the only member of Crown Heads who is nice enough to actually travel <laughs> out of state, out of his comfort zone to one of, you know, like we're probably the biggest Crown Heads fan base. We support them so much. And it only this man has the courage and the integrity <laughs> to get on a plane yes. and fly out here to to pay tribute and build bonds with yeah, us. Yeah, and that yeah. is the legendary Miguel Shodell Thank of you. Crown Heads. Miguel, thanks. Thank you. You, you might have been, Chris, fact check me in this. He might have been our first ever guest on the Long Ash podcast. Are it you was, serious? Yeah, it was you. Episode three or four, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you remember, and that was when I remember because there was like a big different backdrop. Oh yeah, we just, I think we we, just, we had that long table and we yeah. just sat there like a bunch of jabronis. Why were we in the round table? Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, we had a bunch of like random like accessories and everything <laughs> yeah. on it. Now, now we look, we got a, a used rug. Oh man, we have uh, Crown Heads is in the place of prominence over oh. my, so we can see it on my camera. I love angle. it. I yeah. love it. Um. But no, welcome. Um, lot to talk about. Lot, thank you. Lot, for, thank you for having me back. No, of course. Man. Thank Any, you. you are welcome anytime. Thank you. Other people will be welcome if they get if off they get their and get off their <laughs> rear end. You know, and yeah. and stop combing their long hair and get up here and to the northeast I agree. to show us show I us agree. a little love. I agree. <laughs> um, but Crown Heads. I mean, if if that company was a novel, mm -hmm. I want to say, and this is in no way negative. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually a positive. A chapter, a very interesting chapter, is kind of just being finished up, but a like a brand new second season, or actually this like I, I this, this would be like the third season mm -hmm. of the Crown Heads show. Yeah, is kind of just starting, and yeah. it's very exciting. So there's a lot of changes going on. I don't want to get into too much detail. I'm yeah, sure yeah, you yeah. don't either. But tell us a little bit about if you can um, some transitions that are being done with crown heads well i think at crown heads one of our strengths is we get to work with a lot of different factories mm. right and we're very proud of our relationship with ernesto perez carrillo mm. his factory is called tobacoleta la alianza tla it's in santiago dominican republic we've done a lot with ernie ernie's our godfather right and uh, so we're very proud to work with ernie we also work very closely with the uh, garcia family at the my father cigar factory in nicaragua We've also had the pleasure to work with um, Drew Estate, Willie mm. Herrera. And for a while, we were working with Tobacco Lord Pichardo, who I, I've known for years in the business. And we made some uh, cigars at that factory. Obviously, if anyone's been paying attention to, to, the, to the media world, that relationship has kind of come to an end. Uh, and so as Luciano and Pichardo work out their differences in Nicaragua, we have had the pleasure to welcome another factory into the family of Crown Heads, uh, a gentleman by the name of Gus um, Gura, who is friends with Mike Condor and John Huber. And Gus and those guys run Naxa mm -hmm. and uh, Nicaraguan American Cigar SA. Phenomenal factory, incredible tobacco. Mm -hmm. And we just recently announced a limited edition, a entree, if you will, mm. into working with them. A limited edition cigar, 2,500 boxes. It's called Azul y Oro, translated blue and gold. And that is our first kind of um, introductory right. to working with them. Excellent blend. It'll be shipping out to retailers this month, later this month. Uh, and we have transitioned a blend over to their factory. They're known for incredible broadleaf. Yeah. They're known for having incredible quality and, 
an amount of broadleaf. And so we took Le Petitier and moved it to their factory. And it has been an incredible uh, experience working with that team over there. And I know John is very happy. John has been in his business 25 plus years. Mike has been in the business even longer. And they've really, it, these old relationships that have right. been around forever, right? And just because you know everybody doesn't mean you you get to work together, right. but you do. You see each other at the shows. Maybe you're, 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 the factory you're working with buying tobacco from them. And so, so everyone's kind of in it together. Exactly. But this is the first time we've got to work with that factory. And I'm very proud um, that people will be seeing this, this, this reblend of Le Petitier and all the exciting things that John has planned working with them in the future, man. So when that was first announced, so I, I uh, enjoyed the, um, we obviously didn't sell it here, but the original PCA release of Petitier, which yeah. I'm just realizing now sounds very similar. Petitier, PCA. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think, and even John said it, he's like, he's like it's, it's there, but like, I want to try different ring gauges with it and everything. Yeah. And then there was announced that it was moving over to Naxa. And then I remember John, he likes to send us like mystery, you know, like yeah. mystery test blends or yeah, like, yeah. guess what this is? Off the menu stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we were smoking it on an episode and I'm like, this tastes like patissier, but I'm like, it tastes like a little bit more refined of a version. I'm like, I'm going to guess this is the Naxa version of this cigar. And, you know, uh, obviously I nailed it. You I'm were an, dead on. I'm an expert in anything. Well, anything crown heads sir, is, your palate. I think your yeah. palate's insured, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like what's the uh, Lowe's of London? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, State Farm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but Naxa, and we were talking a little bit about this before, has such a, a crazy history. I believe now they are still, I think Drew Estate overtook them in terms of size, but mm -hmm. they are the second largest factory in Nicaragua. And until Drew Estate uh, increased their capacity only a couple of years ago, where they like built a whole other facility, yeah. essentially, they were the largest factory in Nicaragua for a number of years. But getting them to see them in this new light is really cool because from someone like you, someone like me who have been in the industry a while, we know the roots of Naxa, the history of them. And there was like, oh, are they going to be able to transition into this more modern era? I think starting with Steve Saka, but now really coming even more to the forefront with you guys, they have shown, you know, with, Scott, with Gus, with uh, Raul, yep. that they are able to not only contend, but succeed at the highest level of, of the modern industry. And you have a lot of factories like that in the Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras, maybe factories that produce great cigars, but may not have the coverage, right? Because right. maybe they don't have their own brand or whatever, right? And so the brands they make bring the attention to the factories, right? And so, and I think that's something that Saka and Crown Heads and a few others have yeah. really done. And um, to me, I get excited as a sales manager, right? right? My, my job is sales, John creates, right? And so whenever I get to tell a new story, I love that part of my job. Because right. people will say, well, there's a, there's a thousand factories. Why that factory? Well, when John and Mike went to Nicaragua when they were looking to launch Crown Heads, they were looking at who to partner up with. Mm. And eventually it was Ernesto right. in the Dominican. And their relationship goes back to the 90s. And so... Uh, as a present to Gus, they gave Gus a bottle of Johnny Walker as, hey, man, thanks for your hospitality in Nicaragua. Right. Thanks for showing us around. Fast forward, Azul y Oro obviously takes its inspiration from that present, right? And to me, it's like you, you, you can write stories, mm -hmm. but, but real life 
is sometimes more exciting than what people can make up or right. dream of, right? And so that to me is full circle. And those connections, those relationships really mean something. And when a story comes full circle like that, I think consumers, manufacturers, um, retailers, us really connect with those kind of things. I think it's it's all the more impactful. I mean, you know, marketing can be very tricky, but I think a true story that is so crazy that it, it sounds unrealistic, but is, can be better than a manufactured story, but like it sounds like it's plausible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just because, like like you said, the, the real life implications, like, no, this is actually how this happened and it's coming around. I mean, it's literally something you can't make up because it sounds that crazy. Yeah. But uh, when it when it comes to fruition, it's all the more, uh, what's the word I'm looking authentic. for? Yeah, authentic. Authentic, yeah, yeah, and satisfying. Absolutely. And, like, much more satisfying. And, you know, when you took a look at Ernie, you know, Ernie's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer in this business. Um, he is uh, quite possibly one of the most incredible gentlemen that have walked through the premium mm. cigar industry and the history of it. Uh, and, you know, Ernie and, and Mike Condor, John Huber's business partner, they connected over a general. I just got to say, you know? it's funny that you say that because I talked to John three times, you know, a couple yeah. times a month. We're on the phone for like an hour. I've been talking to him for a couple of years. I know Mike. I've met Mike several times, but every time John's in the middle of a sentence, he'll be like, and so I was talking to Mike Condor, you know, my business partner. I'm like, yeah, I know who Mike yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel like that he just walked around that name I, tag. Mike's been in the business, I think, since 1980, but oh, wow. he's always been on sales and a lot of times behind the scenes, yeah. right? And so even though he's a long tenured veteran of this business, a lot of people don't know who Mike is. So I think that's where him and I both are always yeah. like Mike Connor, the business, John's yeah. business partner. I actually but- interviewed him at a trade show. It was, I can't remember exactly what year. It must've been the year you guys came out with the four kicks Maduro. Was okay. that yeah, yeah, 17, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe 18? Oh, Lord, I'm going to say 17. 17 because um, Brian Massey, who worked for us, yes. who was your guy. Yep. He's like, oh, I got you an interview with one of the Crown Heads people. And it was Mike. Yeah. And I remember like, kind of meeting John. I, I took some pictures of him with his, like he had the the white um, G-Shock on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like very nervous because he seemed like, you know, John, he can seem like that- Intimidating. Like, intimidating artist type. Absolutely. So, but I remember interviewing Mike. I'm like, oh, this guy's really nice. And then, yeah, because then the next trade show I went to was 19 where me and John were already you yeah. know, close. Yeah. But yeah, Mike, very interesting guy. And I think it's great to have like the- the creative artist, but then like, all right, but here's how, here's how we can make that realistic financially or business wise. Um, to go back to what you said though, about, you know, some of these factories that, you know, might are in the midst of a Renaissance or might need a Renaissance because they produce at a high level, but just don't have maybe the visibility or the marketing that they should. I think Placencia is a great example of that because I mean, me and you, we 10 years ago, we knew who Placencia was. Of course. The, your average smoker didn't know until the Amafuerte came out. You know, it's very funny. Um, I tell everyone you walk into any humidor and probably half of those cigars have Placencia tobacco. Oh, in absolutely. He's, yeah. he's the biggest, one of the biggest growers in Central America yeah. of premium uh, Cuban seed tobacco, right? And so he supplies everybody. Yeah. And you go in his warehouses, you'll find buyers from every factory and they're buying tobacco. They had released some cigars throughout the years. You can look in some old cigar aficionado, organic. We, we, we carried and, one that was like, it was just in a red box and it yep. said Placencia on it, like in cursive. It was like- One of the first cigars made for CAO, Tim Osgener, mm. in the early 90s, they were made by Placencia. Wow, I didn't yeah, know that. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, we all know Placencia, right? Yeah. And so it, it's very strange when you've spent any time in a business as a consumer, cigar geek, 
or on the business side of this industry, um, Placencia is a common name. Yeah. You know, he's very well-known, well-respected. So when they released that blend and that really put them on the map as, as cigar makers, uh, you know, people go, oh man, I love this new brand, you know, Placencia. And no. you go, mm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember some people saying, some people who like, you know, who had smoked it, but this is like before it was like, really released mm -hmm. like oh man they're gonna go like twenty dollars and like no one really knows who they are and i remember smoking it with nestor when i was interviewing him and i'm like this is gonna be a top 10 this year and i'm like you charge twenty dollars yeah, 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 like, yeah. this is deservant of every single dollar and listen it's a hell of a way to kind of come out of the yeah, game yeah yeah but it worked beautiful and now the alma series every list has one of the almas on yeah, it yeah i also think not i don't mean to reference other brands but um uh, Michael Herklotz oh, with, yeah. with what he's done with Quesada, who I've always loved Quesada, but I felt like they were kind of just not getting a lot of ink. Yeah. The Elegancia is made, and that was a, a top five cigar of the year, one Absolutely. of the biggest cigars. And I feel like Quesada is now coming back a little bit too. Yeah, and highlighting you yeah. know some of these guys. And you know I, I love the Cigar Aficionados Hall of Fame and everything, mm -hmm. but there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of people that have worked in the industry that behind the scenes with tobacco or maybe before that publication came out in the early 90s right. that probably should be in that hall of fame that that names are kind of lost to history right and so i love seeing when these factories get attention not just for their own cigars but when they start making stuff for other people as right. well um i find that exciting i love that i love when people in the industry connect to multiple brands obviously i love when people smoke crown heads or right. oz family cigars but I, i'm a cigar geek too i love to smoke everything and you know i'd like to see all the boats kind of rise exactly. you know what i mean one one the last one i mentioned is, is and i remember doing a podcast with chris and talking about this guy um who i feel like mo 75 percent of your cigar smokers today would have no idea who he is but Jose Sejas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was ran like, the largest factory like, in the Dominican like Republic? Th like the yeah. I don't, Matilde, Matilde. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's anybody right now who like is comparable to him in terms of his stature at the time because yeah. there wasn't as many brands as many factories. Yeah, yeah. But he was like the number one guy. Now I feel like you have like there's 10 yeah. companies that kind of fit that absolutely. mold absolutely. but he was the guy we both had the same distributor in canada so i'm oh, very oh, familiar okay. with his brand um, we both use brigham uh, as a distributor in canada and and so very familiar with his cigars really enjoy and he's working with his son yeah you know okay. and it's really That's exciting good. to see that that was one of the first uh the jose like the jose sejas brand the white label yeah, was one of yeah. the first like i think it was like Fifteen dollars. It was the five packs. Remember, we sold the five packs in like a thick plastic, and they were like expensive. You know, I was you yeah. know nineteen years old. I'm like, oh, it's like fifty dollars for yeah. ten of these. Like, yeah. no way. Whoa. Now I'm uh, now John's like, oh, here's a new thing I'm making. It's yeah. twenty dollars. I'm like, all right, just give me buy a box. Um, so I want to talk about uh, a little more about Naxa, but also I want to get into a little bit of your history because I feel mm -hmm. like every time I, I I get to talk to you. We shill for John and Crown Heads. And, you yeah, know, yeah. I talk about his stuff enough. I get him enough publicity. <laughs> I got him on the wall of fame. Absolutely. But so what I didn't know, and I'm I'm embarrassed for not kind of, you know, diving a little further with you, is I didn't know that you worked for CAO with John and Mike all those years ago. Give us a yeah. little bit of your of your cigar background, like your, your history in the industry. So mid-90s, got into premium cigars. Um, Latino background cigars are a part of our culture, but you, you really kind of see uncles and family members enjoying premium cigars. And 
and I, I, I kind of became very fascinated with the culture of cigars mm. and started reading Aficionado. And, and, and at that time, there weren't a lot of publications, right. right? So you really had very limited amount of information you could get. The best way was to walk into your tobacconist. Mm. But in 1998, I was introduced to a brand called CAO Lenovisar Maduro. Mm. At the time, it was made in Costa Rica by Doug, Doug Douglas. He went by. And he made that, was that cigar. his real name? Doug P- Perringer, I think, was his last name, but he went by Doug Douglas. And um, <laughs> That's such a 90s. he made like, yeah. It's like a 90s, yeah. like, oh, yeah. these amazing cigars by Doug Douglas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Host of America's Funniest Home Videos. He was probably the only cigar maker that didn't go by Don. Yeah. Could have been Don, Don Doug Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so in 1998, I fell in love with the cigar and I just, I became very fascinated with mm-hmm. this. It had a unique font for the CAO logo. Yeah. Then I started seeing their ads. And I started attending the Big Smokes in Chicago in 1998. And I would go to visit all the booths. You see everybody there, Rocky and everybody. But I would spend a lot of time at the CAO booth. Who were the superstars of, because I know I know of some of the guys who like got their start in the late 90s, Whoa. Rocky, Alec Bradley. But who, when people would go to the Big Smoke in 98, 99? CAO. CAO was, booth? Okay. That was big. Tarano's booth was very Carlos, big. Yeah. Fuente's booth was yeah, swamped. That one, I, yeah. Um, 98, you're talking just a couple years after Anniversario uh, from Padron was released. So they okay. started getting a lot of attention. So a lot of the same names today, just right. not really boutiques as Yeah, none much. of like the hip, like the Jonathan yeah. Drews, the Pete's. Yeah, that was guys. not, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I think Pete was still working at Grand Havana Room probably yeah. in the late yeah. 90s. And so I would hang out their booth and I would bug Tim Osgener uh, just for time, talking about cigars. And I'd joke with him, I'm going to work for you one day. I'm going to work <laughs> for your family one day. 1999, Big Smoke. I'm going to work for your family right. one day. Then 2000 and... I think it was maybe 2001, I said that to him, and he said, you know what, there may be something. You know, there may be something. So later on that year, he was coming to Cincinnati where I lived, and he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. I said, I know, I'm going to go to your event already. I already Mm -hmm. knew about it. He said, well, I want to talk to you about something. So went to the event. After the event, he said, listen, um, I can't promise you a job, but I can promise you an interview. Okay. I'm going to get you an interview. We're going all in-house. At that time, the only people using in-house reps at that time were General, Altidus, Ashton, Davidoff. Then everything else was brokers. Right. Rocky had brokers. Uh, Drew Estate had brokers. You know, they were using guys like right. Eric Espinosa, who was a broker at that time. Right. Now now I feel like it's the opposite. Now I feel like brokers are kind of like Less, few and far between. Yes. Because companes will, uh, even a smoke, will use somebody like you guys yeah. as your distributor. In-house, Right. right? And so uh, he got me an interview, and and interesting enough, I interviewed with um, Mickey Pegg, who now owns All Saints Cigars. Mm-hmm. Interview with Mickey in Nashville, uh, gave me a few pointers, never heard anything. Then out of the blue, I get a call. Let's do a second interview. Took his pointers, went in, and I interviewed in Jono's Jono Osgener, right, the the namesake of CAO, in his basement with Mike Condor, Tim Osgener, and Mickey Pegg got the job, joined them, and worked with them for seven years as a sales rep. Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky. Um, Did events with John, did events with Tim and Eileen. What was John doing? He was was like creative? He was creative and marketing. So anything and everything that had the CAO name on it. And he would help, obviously, with all the blends and picking cigars and sizes. I know he worked a lot on like La Traviata and all these kind of blends. La Traviata, uh, I remember when he came in those uh, those jars. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) yeah. It was great. I mean, you know, I got to work when I joined 
our corporate office at CIO was really s- small. Mm. I mean, it was a little, little building. And then a year or two later, they had built this huge office and we, it just turned into this mega brand. Right. And I got to spend an incredible amount of time with those guys, learned a lot. Um, and part of my story is in 2007, um, I had a brain tumor. Oh my so God. about the scar. Oh, I thought I thought it was from like a no a fight. fight. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm a not fight, that cool. At a Reds game, yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. I'm not that cool. I'm not that cool. Yeah, it's a cool score, yeah. right? So I, I had a Pete brain Rose tumor. Should be in the hall. Yeah, he should be in the hall. <laughs> fight me. Uh, so I got this. I had a brain tumor, and then the day after I had the surgery, I had a stroke. Oh my god! So I was I was I was very young. Um, had two babies basically. Jesus. And um, Mike Condor and Tim Osgener said, "We're going to take care of this kid." We're going to make sure that he gets through this. We're going to keep him employed and take care of him. Never put me on sick leave. Never cut pay or commissions. Wow. Took care of me. John O. Osgener had been fighting non-Hopkins lymphoma, so he kind of understood. Yeah. You know, so they took care of me really well. And so I had just this love and dedication to, to them and spent incredible years there, really developed as a salesman and really became a kid to a man, understanding right. business and, and how you handle yourself. And it was great. And then in 2007, uh, Crown Head sold to Henry Winterman, which was a division of STG. Mm. Uh, and we were there. And eventually in 2010, Tim was going to leave. Mike was going to leave. John was going to leave. It, at that time, STG bought Swedish Match. And there was a merger. Right. CAO was going to go to General. And so with the blessing of Tim and his family, you know, go do your thing. So I spent some time with the Tarano family as their national sales manager, worked with Charlie Tarano incredible another incredible right. family that history goes back 1916 in yeah. cuba um and uh, just you know when you think about they were some of the biggest growers in cuba grew some of the tobacco that went in all the incredible pre-castro cuban cigars and eventually left and created uh factories produced for cao and other factories other other brands and then created their own brand as well right then I did a little stint at Duran, who was a good friend of ours. He was, uh, at one time, uh, he worked for Habano's SA. Then he worked for Dunhill, and we distributed Dunhill at CAO. And so did a little stint with him. And I, I, I got the opportunity to, um, John had always said, hey, come work with us, be part of our team. And when the position I wanted opened up as national sales manager, because that's what I was doing, right. um, Mike offered me that position. And to be able to come back, work for John, work for Mike, and obviously, Tim Osgener was, for me, full circle. Right. Again, full circle. And so, um, 20 years in the business, very proud to be with Crown Heads. Very proud to now add Oz Family Cigars into the mix. And so, that's my that's my story. And I've, I've been doing it. I love it. I travel uh, nonstop and preach the word of Crown Heads. And I love every minute of it. See, this is the guy who needs to be the face of this brand. All right? <laughs> this is the guy. I'm going to have make a few I phone, travel. I'm gonna make a few phone calls later. Um, no, it's, 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 first of all, it's a remarkable story. I mean, listen, people are going to have all kinds of stories. There's, there's family legacies. Mm-hmm. There's my great grandfather mm-hmm. worked on the fields in Cuba, but you, I think you have an interesting one because the time you were coming up was such a transitional period the in the time. industry. Yeah, the boom time. Yep. So you were really able to see the literally the transition of like the the way it was to the way it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, you got on with Crown Heads early when they were part of this. I don't want. Uh, I'm not gonna call it a, a boutique boom, if you were or the the establishment of 
this kind of different, yeah, independent yeah. like labels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. When Tim did Tim come to you guys when he wanted to start like you know, get back in the industry? Where was John? Are you like pitching it to him for a while? Well, Tim is co-owner of Crown Heads as well. Okay. Um, and Tim uh, Tim tells a story, and and I've heard him tell it several times, but. You know, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, he 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 met with a gentleman and the gentleman was telling him about, hey, you know what you should do? You should kind of do a timeline of your life and you do your highs and your lows of right. every year of your life. Oh, wow. And as Tim, I think it's 2019 or something like that, it said, man, some of the best times of my life was at CAO in the premium cigar business. He's maintained the relationships. Right. And he sat down and said, if I was to launch a brand, what would it mean to me? Right, I'm not making CAO 2.0. I mm-hmm. want to create something, a new legacy. And so he sat down. He worked on the idea, the packaging, his reasoning, because it couldn't just be, "Hey, I want to get back into business." It had to mean something to him. And so um, I believe, I think he approached Mike and John because Mike had always left the door open, and right. John said, "Hey, listen, if you ever want to come back, this is the the place to do it." Right? John has always. Sp- spoken so every time i've talked to them interviewed on the phone spoken so highly of this family and tim yeah because not only was tim great and eileen was great but again there are people that have passed away in the business where if you're new to cigars over the last five ten years you may not know some of these names right so we're talking about being into big smokes in 98 there were some incredible cigar makers that passed away before this explosion Right. right but John Owasgener, it's, it's pronounced Jono, but it's spelled C-A-N-O. Okay. Kano, some people call him. But he was such an incredible individual um, to know. And I think John would tell you the same thing, that John, to work under Jono was like getting your 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 master's or your doctorate degree in tobacco and relationships and in business. And um, uh, John passed away a few years ago. And really, I think it's it's all he, he he's in all of us. Right? right. We carry that on and and we try to 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 bring that to everything we do. And so um, when Tim wanted to launch his own brand, essentially, he said, hey, it's got to be my family name, Osgener. We call it Oz Family Cigars. And his first brand, Bosphorus, kind of taps into the roots of his family. And his next release that will come out in February of 2023 will tap into his father's side where Bosphorus taps in kind of his mother's history. And I think what a, an incredible um, honor to his father, to his family, um, who, who've been in the in this industry since 1968. Right. And, and Tim grew up in the business, right? And so Tim and all the relationships, the industry was calling him, um, and and he missed it and wanted to come back. And here we are today. And it's really exciting for me to work with John, who I love so much at mm. CAO, Mike, who is such a, an incredible guy who took me under his wing and taught me things, and Tim, whose family I, I cut my teeth on in this industry. So it's exciting to have Tim back. I mean, listen, for anybody who's newer to the industry, I'm, I'm sure that like – through crown heads there there's already like a trust of the like like hey i might not know about this guy but like if john's working with him if john's yep. distributing yep. if john's you know if, if if miguel is out there shilling these cigars they they have to be good but for anybody who was aware of the 90s early 2000s of that transitional boom period to have like the oz family being made now like with 
Ernesto Perez career. This is a wet yeah. dream. This yeah. is like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's like the collaboration that no one thought we needed, but now like, oh, we absolutely need that. Yeah. Two Titans who really came about in a similar era, like mm-hmm. in that that late yeah. 90s yeah. period where oh, it got to, a, it was tough also because there were so many brands, yeah. you know, I mean, tobacco look, was limited. Nothing was hotter in the 90s than La Glory Cabana. Yeah. yeah. The, the Miami made ones and the, the Dominican made ones. And then obviously, you know, Ernie eventually in the 90s uh, was bought by General Cigar and that's where Mike and him connected. But, you know, Ernie is a guy who literally was born into the industry who was you could uh, you could absolutely say was the first quote unquote boutique brand mm-hmm. that became nationwide. I mean, I remember as a young man, um, I'd know people whose fathers would order boxes directly from his factory in Little Havana. Yeah, they wanted the Glory Cubana with the Made in Miami wobble was the the popular size, and 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 then you had Cao who did pipes humidors cigars and wasn't afraid to do different things in yeah. the cigar industry unique packaging unique blends unique tobaccos yeah, the mx2 right mx2 Was, the original brasilia the original so it's brasilia. so funny think, think about this here's a little piece brazilian rappers matafina mata norte or um aripiraca those are very common today yeah when they released that it was not common I, brazilian was the, tobacco was not common in our industry that was from what my time in the store CO had already been purchased and it was it was a definitely already under like the general flag but mm-hmm. the brasilia from CAO at the time yeah was the only cigar that I knew that used brazilian tobacco yeah. like I'm like this yeah. this was it yeah later on I, I know you guys use it on the, was it the JD Howard yep JD Howard, Howard yep Arapiaca. a lot of people now AJ really utilizes yep. it now but yeah f- the, and it was a long stretch of time. Yeah. It wasn't just like they used it in 99 and then by 2001, everyone was using it. Yeah. There was a, a seven or eight year period yeah. where, yeah. and it, it was a, it was a top selling brand. Too. Yeah. Tim would say that, Hey, people would say, wow, why, you know, why are you using Brazilian or why are you using a green box? The green box doesn't look good with tobacco. It looks great. And, and he did. And, and, and so they were unique. So then fast forward, Ernie, his legacy, Tim and his family's legacy teaming up to do Bosphorus. Uh, it's again, full circle. I love yeah. this kind of stuff, man. And you've got two families that have spent so much and given so much to the cigar industry. And I, and I use this line all the time. I think if you're truly compassionate or passionate about the industry, you care about the flag being carried to the next generation of what this industry is, right? That's what right. you're doing. You're laying that groundwork for people to learn and to carry it on. If you truly care about that, um, I think when you get two families that have given more to the industry than taken, that to me is a recipe for incredible ideas, incredible blends, and incredible success. And I think the consumer really wins out because they get these two unique personalities and working on something. It's, it's really, I think it's incredible. I mean, I, not to over-romanticize it, but when you care as much about the industry as we do in cigars, it truly is very poetic. Well, you guys care because you all have such a deep connection to it, such a deep history. It's not like some people where this is just like the next stop on a money-making scheme. It's like, oh, well, you know, yeah. in five years, I'm going to be selling weed pipes. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. no, this is, yeah. this is what I'm doing. This is what I have been doing. Yeah. It's what I will continue to do. Yeah. So when you find someone with that shared passion, that shared yeah. connection, it means a lot and great things can come out of that relationship. Yeah, and then, you know, when I look at John, 
you know, John's passion for cigars led him into CAO. Mm. Uh, he moved up the ranks there and was so unique and creative. I remember at the big smokes, you know, you kind of hid your tattoos back then. Yeah. And John was this tattooed guy, um, long haired, smoking cigars and his story of being passionate about not being born in the industry, but just loving it, getting in, forcing his way into the industry and has created this incredible track record. Well, on a smaller scale, that's what I, I wanted to do, right? Yeah. I wanted to get in this business. I fell in love with this business. So um, a guy like John is someone I look up to because John was a guy who said, you know what? I want to be in that business. I love that business. And he was a guy who got in at the entry level. And now he's an, a co-owner of an incredible brand that sold in not just the United States, but all over the world. Mm. Um, I mean, that to me is is really incredible. I mean, I do know that there are people who call him the Jackie Robinson of the cigar. <laughs> he really had to, there was a lot of, of yeah. barriers and he yeah. had to really- Yeah, especially like, the tattoos. Yeah, he's like the hidden figures of yeah. the cigar industry. Yeah. You know, you guys had tattoos <laughs> yeah. at the show. You'd wear long sleeves, you'd kind of hide them. And then, you know, between um, John and Pete Johnson, you know, they yeah. kind of kind of rolled up the sleeves. I think it was a very yeah. conservative business back then. You know, it was very family ran back then. It wasn't, there was no social media. There was no edginess. Um, you know, a lot of khakis. Yeah. A lot of suits. A lot of guayabaras Yeah, too. a lot of guayabaras. It was just, it was more traditional. Right. And I think with brands like CAO and the Osgoner family and people like, um, Oh God, you can Rocky, some of these other guys who really said, Hey, you know, let's get a little, let's get a little bit outside the box. And uh, we have the industry that we have today. And I think it's better because of yeah. those people. And, um, and so when I see someone like, uh, Tim come back to the business, um, it's the, the industry's better off with guys right. like him in it. And I'm sure there's, he, he's, I would actually love to, I'll have to set up an interview. I would love to get Tim. Yeah, I can bring him here. He I gets on planes. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Unlike others, um, but I would love to to kind of hear his reaction to kind of re-entering the industry because there's probably like some nerves. Like you know, I've been, but then yeah. again, he's kept his eye on it by, by being involved with Crown yeah, Ads. Yeah. But also, there also must be a little more freedom. Like, oh, like you guys are doing that, and it's like a success now. No one would have thought to do this. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen years ago, you yeah. would have been shunned, or it would have not sold. Yeah. But it was guys like you know, the original CEO, John P yeah. who really kind of paved the way. A hundred percent. And and John would tell you if he was sitting here too, you know, um, his friends in the industry, like Pete Johnson, who, you know, when the Brown label came out and even that, which was very traditional old school packaging, right. but Pete obviously is not old school, right? right himself. He's a rock and roll guy. And so that, um, was a unique combination. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that if you were to write, the history of premium cigars. I think guys like John, guys like Mike, guys like Ernie, um, guys like Tim, their families would have a significant part in this era of cigar making. Yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 I'm going to put John in the. He gets a little page in the back. He gets like a. a, a I'll have John write the photo. <laughs> there the, you go. The there book. you go. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit uh, more about what Crown Heads has uh, has going on. So obviously, we're discussing you know the new. New relationship you've made with Naxa, the Patissia moving over there. Um, I also wanted to discuss this year's Las Calaveras mm. has been rave. And I, I don't like using this term. I mean, listen, there's been very few things that John has put out there where I was like, ah, that's not great. Yeah. You know, but 
I do want to say that, I, and I think it's kind of been a consensus when you see the reviews, this year's Las Calaveras, a, a kind of a return to form. And oddly enough, just at the lunch we were having before, uh, I was having a 2015 oh, nice. Las Calaveras nice. that uh, I think John had sent me. And I'm like, you know what? I, and I remember the 2014, 2015 being like yeah. the talk of the town. Yeah. And I'm smoking the 15 and I'm like, I think I like this year's better. Yeah. I think I just do. So how, how tell us a little bit about that brand and, and the impact and the significance that that has had. You know, Las Calaveras, every year the blend changes since 2014. We changed color on the band a little bit. And 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 John, obviously, when, you're, when you have the name Las Calaveras, but every year you're changing a blend. For a guy like John, it's exciting because he can work with different tobaccos. Right. And, and we always work with the Garcia family and my father on Las Calaveras. And this year, what was interesting was after all these years of doing Las Calaveras, we've never done a Puro. Hmm. So filler, binder, wrapper, 100% Nicaraguan, rolled at the Garcia's family. And it truly showcases to me what is great about Nicaraguan tobacco. Because it's not overtly strong, but it has body. And it has that deep kind of leather note. And when you blow out the smoke, it leaves almost like a floral note on your palate. And that cigar has, again, I think probably since 2014, 2015, has garnered um, people talking about it, uh, selling out at retail shops, the amount of attention. And the color band he chose is baby blue, which um, I didn't, I love the color, but I didn't make a connection. A lot of guys go, hey man, you know, this reminds me of my father, blue, yeah. dad. And so I'd meet guys in shops go, man, it just reminded me of my father who passed away. And that's why I smoke Las Cal. And I love this year because it has that color band on it. Um, but it has turned into an, an incredible um, success this year. And uh, the tough part is how do you follow up, right? That, that, <laughs> with, with cigars like that, I mean, when, when yeah. you have something like, let's say, uh, we'll just use Pete as an example with mm -hmm. the with the monster release where mm -hmm. obviously you need to compete every year with the blend. But in terms of the marketing, it's like, all right, we'll just what focus on a new monster. And that, yeah. that's like kind of half of the appeal is just right. the new thematics of it. Yeah. Whereas Las Calaveras, it's like, yeah, we might change the color, but otherwise it's going to look the same. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to have like the kind of the same typeface. Yeah, yeah. Really, it comes down 90% of this is the blend, the blend each year. So that puts so much more Absolutely. pressure just on the on the tobacco, but I want to say this year, riveting, riveting success. Thank you. Thank you. I felt that way too. When I smoked the samples early on, um, I felt like, man, this, there's something special about this blend Yeah, and it's, it's proven out to be that way. You know, it really has. Um, also I wanted to discuss, uh, I heard, I heard through the grapevine and I think we're, I think we put, I put some on order. I don't know how many, one of my favorites is back that hasn't been around for a couple, at least I think probably since the pandemic. Tennessee Waltz. Yes. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee Waltz and Yellow Rose are back on a very short kind of, mm. um, uh, the, again, made by the Garcias. The Tennessee Waltz and Yellow Rose, same blend, beautiful smoke. Uh, it's been gone for about three years. Yeah. And so we are now, we're not going to do what we've traditionally done over the last, whenever it was in stock, really. We would do once a year, we do this kind of lawless day the lawless, thing. I remember the lawless day. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you're in Texas... Yellow Rose of Texas will be hitting the market late uh, late November, early December. And same thing with Tennessee. Tennessee Waltz will be hitting the Tennessee. And probably, I would say, 99% of the product will stay in those states this year. So if you're a fan, call a retailer in those states, secure your box, because the production was very small this year, and they turned out incredible. So when I, I always enjoyed... Crown heads, um, the four kicks, the JD Howard always yep, yep. really smacked really hard. The, like I said, the original Las Calaveras. 
when I um, started becoming closer with John, which is late 2018, mm -hmm. and he was reaching out a lot, you know, and he's like, I like what you guys are doing with the YouTube. It's really great. You know, like, let's collab on some stuff. And I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. It's really cool. Then he sent me a box. I remember because I, I think I still have like five from that box of the Tennessee Waltz, which I hadn't had before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think I want to be this guy's friend. Like yeah. when I actually yeah. smoked it, I'm yeah. like, I think me and this yeah. guy are going to be, yeah. we're going to be tight pals. And what um, I like about Tennessee Waltz too, is it's, it's very simple packaging. Yeah. Uh, for the Tennessee, it has an orange footband. Texas has a yellow footband. And it really, I say the tobacco speaks for itself. And the Garcia's, they always have incredibly well-aged tobacco, incredible tobacco that they source and they grow themselves. And Tennessee Waltz and Yellow Rose has like a cult-like following. Yeah. And those guys have not had it for years. And so now that it's back. Um, well, the broadleaf on the Tennessee Waltz does not look like any broadleaf I've ever mm. seen anywhere. The Yellow Rose, by the way, which is exceptional, Definitely has more of a broadleaf mm -hmm. look to it, yep. like that you know that darker, yep. rich uh, yep. color. The Tennessee Waltz does not really look like that, yep. but it is. I think he Chris just smoked one. Didn't you smoke one earlier during our, when we were having lunch? He he. Oh, very nice. Training lunch. Very nice. I think nice. I gave him one uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, For some reason, Tennessee Waltz. Uh, every time I golf, and that's all I've been doing this year. All my days off are just golf days. I'm always reaching for a crown head cigar. I don't know. I don't know why. This is not a plug to John. This is just yeah. like for some yeah. reason, Mother yeah. Church, Tennessee Waltz. Um, Mother Church was crazy oh, good. God. Don't don't no. even. That's that's yeah. I will never stop plugging that cigar. Well, I got to tell you, I you know did the uh, Tampa Cigar Bash, and obviously we're, we we had that on the table, and it's amazing how many people would come up. Hey, I love crown heads. Give me a box of that. Of that mother church. I mean, it's it's just it turned out incredible. I love the blend and I love the the subtle nod to Nashville. Yeah. Right. Well, that was uh, I'm all right. I want everyone to relax. I'm not. It's not me being egotistical. I realized I had nothing to do with the marketing of that or the blending. That was John and that was uh, Pachardo and and your whole team doing that. But when I called John to talk about what we wanted to do for our 50th anniversary, I basically said. Uh, what the, the goal of these projects was all of your fans, your diehard fans, I want something that they're, they have to buy it. They yeah. absolutely have to buy it. Yeah. So I told John, I'm like, make me the most Nashville crown heads thing that, that could possibly exist. Yeah. And he's like, within a minute, he's like, all right, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't need like, oh, I'll call you back yeah. in a week. He's like, no, I know exactly yeah. what I wanted to do. And it has taken, it's, Brad Paisley mentioned it in Cigar Aficionado. Yeah, like Brad they had Paisley, a, yeah. Of course, God forbid they mentioned the the, the company that sells it exclusively. Yeah, 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 they yeah, yeah. didn't mention us yeah. at all. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the, a big, they had like the My Favorite Cigar and they go back and like some of their past covers. Yeah. Uh, and Brad Paisley, Kurt, who's the photographer, yeah. uh, awesome dude. He's a big fan of it. Uh, I've never seen that kind of um, like cult-like reaction. Even when we did the event in Nashville and I asked the crowd, I'm like, how many of you have smoked this before? And before it was only available at our website. Yeah. And to see everyone raising their hands, yeah. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's it was awesome yeah. to see that. So I'm really glad that we got to bring that back. Well, when you work on a collaboration like that, I mean, it's, it's one, you have to have a great cigar, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it has to be a great cigar. But I think the packaging, the word you guys got on it, it was a, a great success, I think, for both of us. And... Um, 
those things are exciting, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to maybe maybe taking that brand even further now that you have these kind of new relationships with Naxa. I think yeah. that could be something yeah, really absolutely. interesting. Um, but that brand, I mean, I every time I'm talking to John, and I, I always, even before I run by my bosses, if I have some kind of crazy idea, I'll give him a call and be like, hey, what do you think of this? He's like, oh, yeah, we could do something cool. Like, it could look like this. I'm like, yeah, could you... Could you just like make it the Mother Church blend? No, like we won't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> like, just yeah, give me yeah, that yeah, blend yeah, again. Give me that blend again. Because yeah. it was so right down the middle. It had just a little bit of yeah. everything, a richness, a spiciness, a smoothness. Yep. It was so, I mean, it, it was, at least for my palate, it was it was perfect. But now I know that this new one, I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Azur, Azul, Azul y Oro. Y Oro. I know both of those words. It's just, I got to get them together. Yeah. Um, he says that, in terms of, because John knows my palate pretty well, in terms of what I like, he's like, this is going to be right up your alley as yeah. well. Can you tell us a little bit about the blend coming out on this, on the uh, Azul? Well, the thing that I think is incredible about the Azul y Oro is that, you know, you have a, a factory that that really has the in on some incredible, incredible tobaccos, mm -hmm. right? And so John being able to work with them on something that, everything that we smoke Everything we put out, John, it's got to go through John's palate, right. right? And so while they're working on that blend, I think John finding out what their strengths were, what they do, what he likes, how's that, you know, transition into that. It turned out to be this incredible, super rich cigar. When you, I've heard you use that term, rich. Yeah. It is a very thick, heavy smoke. Like de and decadent. Very decadent, very yeah. dense. And it just has... It's very much a Nicaraguan cigar. Right. And um, that's all I can say on it is that it has just this body and characteristic. When you light it, you know right away there's Nicaraguan and tobacco that's really there, well-aged, and just body and thickness. The packaging, in terms of the the color scheme and the font, I mean, that's great. But what I also like, and I'm trying to think of other people who really utilize the packaging. You guys have done it a few times. That kind of longer box. We have it here. This is the private label that you did for mm -hmm. um, the Casa de Monte Cristo stores, the Wabash Cannon, uh, Cannonball. But you have done that kind of longer six and six, six and six, like yep. ten count, twelve count box. Yep. That's really interesting. I think I think the first one I saw was it the lever action. The or the the single action the single action the JD Howard's JD like Howard single, single action was was kind of positioned that way and then I think when that style of packaging for us really came into vogue was the very first Bellicoso Fino that we did yes. in Lake Carême that's really where that that and then our retailers they said look man the, it, it's just it has a great kind of feel uh, someone buys a box it just has. It just hits, it just feels yeah. right, right? And so we've used that and utilized that packaging on a few different projects. And I'm glad that we did that on Azul y Oro as well, because I, I think it gives you so much space for the name, for the font, mm -hmm. and it really kind of gives you the presentation because it slides open exactly. and, and, and you know, there's spider paper and it just, it looks incredible. It does look, yes, like, yeah, it yes. does look like a ticket. Yeah. It's, yeah, me too. Me too. It's cool because it's it's it establishes because I'm I'm thinking about the projects you guys have done with this. It establishes, hey, this is not like we're not saying like this is our best cigar or this is the best one out there, but like this is just different and special yeah. for whatever reason. And it might be something like the Bellicoso Fino, which is uh, basically the same blend same as blend. the original Acaram, yep. but there's something 
This one just smacks different. Yeah. And I do yeah. like that every time you guys have released a cigar in that kind of different packaging, whether it's just a new size or, you know, a, a, you know, or a totally different blend or a totally different line. It's just like, no, this is like we wanted to especially distinguish this separately, um, which also brings me to uh, another cigar I had the pleasure of smoking when we were down in Nashville this year that I would like to see brought out full time, the blood medicine. Kind of a revival. I know yeah. that that was an original project from many years ago. Yeah, I have yeah. one of the old, I have like framed one of the posters. Yeah, yeah. Making a revival now as this event only cigar, but I don't think there's been a single person who like, who has smoked at and has not been like, please sell them, please. You know, it's really funny when John sent me samples of that and he, and I know he was working on Blood Minutes, but I didn't know that was the cigar he yeah. sent me and I smoked it and John said, what'd you, what'd you think? And I said, man, you know what's crazy about this cigar? This we all have cigars that we like for morning, midday, afternoon. Blood medicine is a cigar I think you can smoke in the morning mm -hmm. on an empty stomach, and you could smoke it after dinner. There's something unique about that blend that really just covers your palate all day long. He nailed the packaging, yeah. nailed the blend, uh, and it's a very limited event-only yeah. cigar. So it's not at all of our events. They were only specific events. You'd have to go on our website and you'll see Blood Medicine event. They're available, four-pack available on a box. And the response has been absolutely incredible yeah. because we didn't do an event-only cigar for years. And to bring it back, I think John knew, like, you know, it's got to be an also. It can't just be something, you know, hey, it's from the factory. Right. We, you know, or, or just a simple, no bands or anything. He went full on out with it and... Again, the, the response has been incredible. And we can't do this without consumers. And when consumers give you the kind of feedback on something like blood medicine or on Bosphorus from Oz or whatever it is, Le Petitier, uh, that's why we do this, man. When people say, I love it, and after my dinner I go out and I smoke one, you're literally taking time out of your day to enjoy a product that we created it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Right. That is an, a tremendous honor to be in someone's humidor. And when someone comes and says, hey, I want to buy my usual box of La Imperiosa and I want to get a four pack of those blood medicine, it, it, it makes you smile and you go, man, this is why we do it. Exactly. This is why we do it. And I, I love that your team, John, Mike, you, when it comes to any kind of these releases or these projects is like, you know, listen, we could half-ass this and still sell, you know, maybe 95%. Mm -hmm. It's like, but one, even if it's only going to make, a, like, even if we're only going to sell like an additional couple hundred boxes. Yeah. Like, let's just full-ass it. Like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. just full, full, like the yeah. blood medicine, that easily, I'm not going to say a gimmick, that easily could have been just like a Of course. A hey, thing. what do you got, what you got a, left in the factory? Yeah, it's just like a yeah. thing, and, we, oh, we yeah. call, and then you make up the story. Yeah. But the fact that you guys were like, no, like, let's make it super legit when yeah. we don't have to and yeah. you're not even selling it so it's yeah. not like you, in fact they're not for sale ever ever yep. exactly yep we've told um, retailers that they're never for sale you know they're they're strictly um meant to be given out on a purchase as a thank you as a this is something special put it you got four of them in right. there put it away for a special occasion um yeah and, and that's great because I mean, do I want you guys to come out with it as a, as even like a limited release? Yeah. yeah. But 
Not that it would tarnish the blend, because I know you mm-hmm. guys wouldn't like, oh, we're going to pump more out, so it's going to be less of a mm-hmm. quality. But it does, it, it really does have that special, like, yeah. hey, this is just, you're loyal, you know, we're going to take yeah. care of you, this is one of our better things. And I I like just having it at that, because yeah. it does make it a little more impactful. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it, and I'm, I'm going to kick myself in the ass, but, and you remember when we were in nashville and we were talking to the crowd mm-hmm. there was a brand you guys came out with i'm so pissed i can't remember the name only a couple of years ago that didn't take off las marias las marias yes That's the only blend we've yes. ever done that didn't seem to catch but now every per i've i've Dude. posted things on instagram i posted that clip of john at that q a so many people are like oh bring them bring it back bring it back and it, and it, it must be so frustrating for you guys but what was special about that cigar? But also, why do you think it didn't catch on? You know, I think at that time, as a brand our size at that time, mm. we really released one core product a year. And with FDA looming, yes, we were forced into releasing two brands at the show. One was Le Creme. Which crushed it. Broadly, from Smoking One right mm. now. And then Las Moreas. And I think... We all do it to ourselves. Just like talking about Las Calaveras, when someone tells me, oh, I like this year, I like that year. Yeah, each blend is different. Or if someone comes to me and says, oh, I love every Las Calaveras. Well, each one's different. Which one, again, you don't always have to pick your favorite. But Las Marias, I think, just got lost in the shuffle behind Lake Karem because Lake Karem took off like a rocket. This this must have been 2015 because I remember, I think think La Karem came out. In the New Orleans it, show. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So it must have been 2015. And um, what was to me special about that cigar is John's kind of happy place, if you will, right. is Hawaii. Yeah. He goes to Hawaii once a year, and that is his, if he could run Crown Heads from Hawaii, he would. That's kind of his his love, right? And so that Las Marias means the tides or the waves. And so it was very much inspired from his time in mm-hmm. Hawaii. And then each Vitola, the names kind of reference the particular wave, Tuberia and Rebelde. And um, and so uh, that cigar had a very personal connection to John. It was a Nicaraguan Puro, filler binder wrapper, and it was all Pepin Garcia tobacco. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just didn't catch on. I do think, and sometimes we learn as our industry, right? In the beginning, we couldn't get bands made in right. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we had to put a blue ribbon footband on it while the bands were being made. And we're trying to rush product to market because of the FDA thing. And the bands weren't ready and everything. So I think it was a victim of that. Right. But that blend is something that we all talk about in the office. The Tuberia, the little... Petite Robusto was was stunning cigar. And for whatever reason, over the last year or so, it has like out of nowhere on social media, people asking about that cigar, review sites, reviewing that cigar. It's it's wild, man. It is absolutely wild it's- how it kind of kind of disappeared and then all of a sudden just naturally it just started coming back. And so I don't know. I, I tell John all the time, I say, you know. That blend has so meaning, so much meaning to John. It's always there. It's always available. Maybe it's something we go back to. Maybe it's a, a, a tweak. Who knows? But uh, that cigar, great love for that cigar. I could also see John being like, no, they didn't like it the first time. Yeah. I'm not giving it back to them. <laughs> yeah. I could totally yeah. see him having That's that John. approach. <laughs> you know him uh, very but, well. But it is this, there is this funny, um, and it's, it's, it's even funnier because it's so recent. It's like, 
recent nostalgia for things that like not from the 80s but things just from a couple years ago yeah so you know i'm i'm good friends with matt booth of yeah, room 101 yeah, yeah and i remember you know his kind of last years with davidoff and he was just like whatever like and you can yeah. tell because he was having his disruption he was still like working hard mm -hmm. but he was having his issues with um with working with them i mean now i mean the guy is a, a force yeah but there was a lot you know the chief something arrow the johnny tobacconite yeah. these kind of weird brands that he was putting yeah. out and i even remember interviewing him and couldn't get a straight answer out of it like he would be like oh yeah we got this tobacco from like a donkey like he was making up stories yeah 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 and they just didn't move and now there's like whole instagram pages that does anybody have any johnny tobacconite like yeah, yeah, i yeah. want them and it's like dude this was yeah. only like four or five years ago yeah, this yeah, wasn't yeah. like yeah. some hundred year old thing so yeah. it's it's and i and it was funny because i was talking to john right before the q a about the las medias and then the first thing i think we asked the crowd like you know what is like you know if you can what's your dream crown heads blend to bring back and like two or three guys said it and john was just like you mother yeah, yeah, yeah like, where yeah. were you yeah. in 2015 yeah yeah um speaking of that are there any brands right now i feel like four kicks is kind of the big one that you guys will introduce different variations mm -hmm. different blends um but are there any kind of foundational um crown heads lines right now that you're working on an extension to or are you kind of just trying some new directions with uh with like you know newer newer lines four kicks our original four kicks red and gold band is a very special cigar obviously it was our first brand right. as a company but it's a fan favorite within our own company um four kicks cop especial we just released a limited edition lancero I saw that. Yeah. um we you know we've, we've had some luck in the past releasing lanceros on a very limited basis it that size is not for everybody right but Ernie does a great job at it. The mule kick is yeah. phenomenal. And too. so we have this four kicks cop especial Lancero that's coming out, which I think really brings a lot of uh, light back to that brand. Mm. Um, that brand has a beautiful Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. What we do in the future with four kicks, I don't know, but I hope John continues because to me that that has such meaning. But um, I can tell you that John's working on some incredible stuff for PCA 2023. Tim Osgener with Oz Family Cigars will release his second edition. Mm -hmm. So Bosphorus will have another brand uh, to pair up with it. That'll be released in February. Um, and that's all that uh, I could talk about right now. John is very close to the vest, and I have to keep is. it very close to the he vest is. as well. He's close to the vest with some things. Other yeah. things, I'm like, you shouldn't be telling yeah. me this. But yeah, 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 things, yeah. I'm like, what's your next yeah. cigar? He's like, oh, I can't tell you. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, you son of a... Yeah. Uh, I do. So La Carême is, I feel like... I feel like it has a really weird place in the Crown Heads portfolio because I feel like it's almost treated like a limited edition, but it's not really, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not like really marketed as that. Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys kind of make it as like, no, this is like a, you know, a solid allotment every yeah. year, but it always goes so fast. Yeah. Um, and then you obviously have the Bellicoso Fina, which is a limited would you guys ever consider releasing like a rounded Parejo version of that to kind of spice things up? And can I be your tester? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, John, who'll be our tester. Um, but I, I Le Carême, uh, Connecticut Broadleaf, right? So when that came out, um, great reception. And then when we did the Bellicoso Fino, that was something John and I really, we don't do a lot of figurados or right. shaped cigars at Crown Heads. It's not our thing. And so doing a Bellicoso size in the round format, because we could have done a box right. press, was unique on its own. And we had that six on six box. 
that became number two cigar of the year in one yeah. of the publications. It just took off. Well, the unfortunate side is that broadleaf became very shortage. Yeah. yeah. And so this is something that I, I tell the story and and it's very meaningful. And I, I think it speaks on John and Mike's integrity. A lot of people wanted Lake Creme. Our retailers were clamoring for Lake Creme. There was no broadleaf that we could get our hands on. And so other people were offering us wrappers, other growers and other saying, hey, we've got this that kind of looks like it or this sort of tastes like it. You don't have to tell anybody you've changed a wrapper. Ah, shady. And John and Mike said, no. Good. I would rather have it off the market for two, three years before we change the blend. That doesn't always happen. Right. And as a sales guy, it hurts. Yeah. Because I got all these orders and we can't fill them. I can imagine there's certain decisions that John makes where- Of course. If you're, if you're watching this as like a TNT yeah. movie, you're like, yeah. yeah, you're standing up yeah. to like and doing the right thing, but you're like, come on, man, yeah. I need yeah. something. Yeah, because like, I can sell thousands yeah, of boxes on, here, buddy. Man. Help me yeah. out here. Um, and so it has been very limited production right. over the last three- Three and a half years. And so, um, in fact, we actually had to trim it from four sizes to three sizes and then add in that Bellicoso as an every year release. And it sells out all the time. People love it. Uh, Ernie does a great job with it. But Broadleaf is not as available today as it has in the past. And so that's one of the exciting things of working with Noxa. They're able to use that Broadleaf on Le Patissier because not everybody has a lot of it. It is becoming a little better now than it had in the past. But there was a point there where Broadleaf was almost non-existent in the warehouses. I mean, there there was that... Several year period. I mean, and it even it reached your your those local state ones you do the Tennessee Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a perfect example. Tennessee yeah. Waltz Yellow Rose. People said, "Well, why did it go away?" Yeah, look, we could sell ten times what we make in that brand, but we don't have the wrapper. And yeah. instead of putting a different wrapper on, we'll wait. A lot of companies are are having to shift away from that, and you're and the ones that are. Uh, which is again something I appreciate about Crown Heads is like we are not going to sacrifice the integrity of this yep. just to make a sale. Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies that uh, that I love, but that have used used those yeah. substandard ingredients yeah. and are maintaining production numbers. But yeah. look, they know, grow they grow broadleaf in Pennsylvania. They yeah. grow broadleaf in Nicaragua now. They're growing broadleaf all over. But for this blend, it's that broadleaf from the Connecticut region grown in the U.S. Mm-hmm that I think makes the Le Creme blend unique to what it is. And um, instead of cutting corners, you know, they held to their guns. And at the end of the day, um, retailers were able to get it back in stock, said, man, you guys did the right thing. Yeah, you absolutely. guys did the right thing because the blend is what it is and it won't change. And um, look, I work for Crown Heads, but I've been in the business a long time. I know there's other ways you can, you know, fake the funk, right. if you will. You can fake strength in a cigar. You can fake a lot of things in a cigar. There Taste, flavor. There was flavor. a while where people were almost were coloring their Maduros. Yes, if you yep. rubbed it, it would come people out. Would, like, I people would that. cook their Maduros yeah. or people will under-ferment tobacco to give a cigar artificial strength instead yeah. of using Lajero. Um, but that's what I love. I love the fact that John and Mike stuck to their guns and Lake Run, the blend, has has maintained its integrity to this point. Well, now, I like a lot of cigars that use Pennsylvania broadleaf, you mm-hmm. know, the Southern Draw, you know, yeah. Jacob's Ladder, for example, but- 
you put that wrapper on the La Carême, it it doesn't work. It's a different cigar because it, it, it's the the Pennsylvania broadleaf is so much yeah. stronger, heavier. It's a little smokier. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have literally like the creaminess that yeah. you need in the La Carême that makes it one. It's one of those broadleafs. I like, compare it also with like the Ash and Age Maduro that is like not an overpowering. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a good example of how you can have a a very dark, dark cigar, cigar but without with being strong, lighter, nuanced, yep. rich flavors to it. And that, and that's why I like Carême to me is to me it's a dessert cigar. Yeah. Right? It's got this subtle sweetness and nice creamy characteristic and for whatever reason to this day people still assume dark is strong, light is yeah. is mild. And that's we know that's a misnomer in, in the, in the business, that, right? Yeah. And so when I do an event and someone says, "Oh, I like milder cigars," right? So I'll put a Luminosa in their hand, a Four Kicks original in their hand, and then I'll put a Le Carême in their hand and they go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." And I'll say, no, listen, man, you can smoke. And they'll smoke it in the lounge and they'll come back and they'll say, that's the first Maduro I've ever smoked that didn't rock me. Yeah. And I said, well, I think a lot of it's mental, right? That you got to, it's not a full bodied cigar. It's that dark, but it's got, I I tell them, think of dark chocolate or think of a a, a chocolate bar that is 90% cacao, maybe 10% milk chocolate. You know Mm. what I mean? Or it's got this little sweetness, but it still maintains this little bitterness. Right. Um, And, um, yeah, Lake Creme I love. And, and, and the Bellicoso Fino to me is that shape. I love that shape. Yeah, that was the bolt based on like the Boulevard Bellicoso Yeah, yeah, Fino, yeah, right? yeah. So John and I, um, where him and I connect a lot is we love the history. Right. We love the, 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 the tradition. And so him and I will talk a lot about like old school shapes and sizes that are longer made or whatever, or cigars that we loved growing up that, you know, maybe. And one of the cigars him and I both really enjoyed years and years and years ago was the Boulevard Bellicoso Fino. And we just, that shape is so iconic and we don't do figurados very often, no, shaped cigars. And so it was kind of neat to say, all right, let's take a cigar that's box pressed. There's no shape cigars in that in that line. Let's do a round Bellicoso, complete offshoot of what the core right. sizes are. And it translate. It doesn't always translate good. No, but the, it, there's it a is, lot of trial is, and error. It is fun when it, it does. Yeah, it and is it really smokes good when it does differently. It does. It absolutely smokes yeah. differently. Um, and we noticed that with some of the cigars we use for our fiftieth, like the uh, the Adrian Room Quattro Nicaragua, mm. number two cigar of the year in the box press, and then they did basically a bellicoso fino size for us, a rounded, shorter nice. bellicoso. And even Rafael Nadal has said, he's like, I think this is the best version yeah. of this cigar. Yeah. Yeah. So it is cool to see that translation. I'm going to ask you one more question, Miguel, before we yes. let you go. Yes. I am a cigar smoker. But let's say I know nothing about Crown Heads. I've stumbled upon you at an event or whatever. I, I like all kinds of strengths, all kinds of flavors. What is the cigar that you're going to give me that truly represents Crown Heads the best in terms of flavors in terms of the vibe in terms of the branding of it what is the cigar that you're handing me like this in a nutshell this is crown head like like you can get the vibe of like we're gonna have different strengths and different wrappers but like you'll understand us with this cigar so i encounter that all the time Hmm. and so the cigar that i hand to those people in this scenario is our four kicks original in the corona gorda size Mm -hmm. five and five ace by 46 John has a love for traditional ring gauges, sub 50, 42 to 48 in between. Very much speaks on who we are as a company. The blend is made by Ernesto Perez Carrillo. It's all Nicaraguan filler binder that's 
uh, John's favorite tobaccos for the most part are Nicaraguan. The, rack, the rapper is Ecuador Habano, one of the most respected rappers in our industry. The blend is not strong. It's not mild. It's dead center. Um, it has a light leather note, which you get from a lot of great tobaccos. You get nice cedar notes, which you get a lot from tobacco. These are the prominent flavors right. of tobacco, right? Um, and you get like a, a nice woodsy characteristic. So to me, that is the best expression that I could give to someone and say, this is us. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And that size, that traditional size from a non-traditional company, to me, that is the way that I introduce the brand to people. That is, for, first of all, phenomenal answer in terms of I agree. I think the, the original four kicks, especially, I mean, I love a Corona Gorda. But that's also, I've asked that, I've never asked it on the show before, but I've asked people, like manufacturers in private and they always have to tiptoe, oh, oh, but like we want people to know that like we have a wide range of things. And I'm like, but there's a, like, I'm, I know that there's a cigar that like, explains you the best that you've put the most of your company soul into yeah. and so the fact that you're like oh no i know exactly which yeah. one and that i deem it correct because i of course i am the the adjudicator yes of the yes. cigar industry yes yes yes, yes, yes um i think that was that was beautifully well said it um, may you know it may have been the first release for crown heads but it wasn't our first cigar right because uh, yeah it's, it's, tim yeah john mike have a long history they've worked on hundreds of blends throughout the at the years um, and so it's our first blend, but it's not their first blend. Right. So it's very special. It comes from a lot of experience. And at that time, the song Four Kicks from Kings of Leon, if you listen to the lyrics, it was very much this kind of rebel, kind right. of go against the grain. Um, the attitude that we were in at that time as a company, I think it speaks so much to who we are. But I look at it as like Willy Wonka, right? You have the chocolate factory. But if you watch that movie, they go from room to room to room. The, the first room you got to go into has got to catch your eye. It's right. got to be the thing. So I think that is the first room you walk into. And then I can bring you through the rest of the Willy Wonka's factory and right. introduce you to CHC. I can introduce you to La Imperiosa, Jericho Hill, a Bosphorus from Oz Family Cigars. The fizzy There's, lifting drinks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> there you go. And so it takes you, I, I, I understand where manufacturers yeah. say that, but we, we needed something to introduce you to the brand and then bring you into our world. And I think that is probably, I don't know, that cigar is very special. Miguel, that's beautifully said. And Thank that's you. why I'm so glad that you are the face of the Crown Heads company. <laughs> I'm just the sales guy. <laughs> uh, no, Miguel, I'm so happy that you got to stop by. It's always a pleasure talking to you, catching up. Um, very excited for the direction you're going. I know that, you know, there's been a media storm and a lot of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot but, of craziness going on, but, I hear. But I also noticed that a lot of what's being said is is very one-sided yeah, yeah. in terms of you know yep. utilizing the media and then there's other people who are just actually making the moves and that's you guys who are just like listen listen we're, we we got to worry about our cigars your and our cigars customers. have to speak for themselves exactly right people can say whatever they want in media they can portray whatever the fact is is that john mike and tim have a history in this business that goes way back and really it's about this is what we do right you can talk, we're going to talk with our cigars and our success of our company. And I think it's exciting to see every year where we go. And even though hundreds of thousands of people smoke crown heads, there's always new people right. that have not been introduced to it. 
And so that is the joy. Every year you're creating new blends and things and meeting new people and finding that cigar. And I think there's a bright future for Crown Heads. And, and it's exciting with Oz Family Cigars in the mix now. And, and to you guys, thank you for doing what you do. I, I, whenever I'm on these shows, I have to tell you, coming up in the 90s, there were no podcasts. Right. There was basically one magazine, a few local magazines out there. And in today's world, how do we keep this incredible industry that we love going for the next generation? Well, we're making cigars, but you guys are the, the mouth, the voice of our industry. And so what you guys do, I think, is such an incredible part of this industry that we need you guys. And you guys taking your time out and doing this, researching, bringing this info to the consumer. You guys, we're all doing our part to keep this industry going. It's really incredible I mean, what listen, you guys do. We, we, I think we all agree, even though we work in various parts of this industry, retailer, manufacturer, you know, whatever. I think we all uh, feel incredibly lucky to get yes. to do this for a living. Yep. And we're just happy to, you know, especially, you know, me, Chris, Justin, the whole team here at, at JR, we're just happy to be a part of it. We're happy that it brings us in contact with people like you. Um, and we're going to continue to do it to the best of our ability. And we're going, uh, you know, as long as uh, you guys keep sending us free stuff, we will make sure that crown heads is constantly talked about. Thank you, brother. <laughs> no, Thank but uh, Miguel, always a pleasure. Very excited for everything you guys are doing. Guys, make sure to check out um, all the new releases coming out from crown heads, the newer version of the PTCA, the new cigars coming from uh, Ozinger. Ozinger? Ozinger. Ozinger. Oz. Oz family Oz cigars. Family cigars <laughs> uh, new, new release coming as well with him from Ernesto and the Azul y Oro coming out i nailed it beautiful you nailed crushed it. it um but thank you very much for listening make sure to comment like and subscribe and as always keep them lit